It's region championship halfway through the playoffs, and we're here to talk about it. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett here on the North Texas Regional Show, brought to you by Granny's Bakery and Power Plus Mouthguard, right here on S2S Sports, part of L4 Media. Now, I say this is the North Texas Show, and this is one of the few times I'm actually recording this intro before uh, I do the actual interview with Matt Diggs, but I'm just going to go ahead and predict right now that we end up talking a little bit more than just North Texas with their being region championships for so basically four games per division, eight games per class. Uh, you know, we're talking 4A, 3A, and 2A. I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about that. But before we do any of that, we want to thank our sponsors, including Granny's a Bakery located at 401 West Pecan Street in Salina. You can give them a call at 469-352-8806. You can find them online at grannysweeties.com for all the great pastries, the breads, the coffee bars. They have a beer and wine area. They have a cupcake factory. I, I'm still just so in love with that. But also, most importantly, they have classes because Granny's Bakeries wants to pass it along and teach everybody what they know. All you have to do is get a hold of them, 469-352-8806, or you can go to grannysweeties.com forward slash classes. They have cake classes, pastries, they have bread classes. They also, by the way, have private classes. So call about that and have a, a group get together and have some fun, drink some wine, and learn how to decorate some cookies or make some awesome cakes and all that fun stuff. And we do appreciate Granny's Baker for being a sponsor here all year long on our shows. It started out with the 9-4-A show. I'm sorry, 7-4-A show. 9-4-A is the East Texas show. Uh, the 7-4-A show that we did was Salina and all them, and then we moved it over to the North Texas. Uh, who has been here the whole time, though, is Power Plus Mouthguard. You can find them online at powerplusmouthguard.com. The future of Mouthguard is today, and it is Power Plus Mouthguard. Why? Because not only is it statistically safer for you to wear a Power Plus Mouthguard, as it works on it, trying to eliminate concussions completely. Not there yet, but getting really close. Less than 0.1% of athletes who wear the Power Plus mouth guard get uh, concussions. But also, it helps you perform at your peak performance simply because it aligns your jaw proper properly, allows blood to flow to the brain, allows blood to flow to the muscles. It allows you to perform at your best so go online to powerplusmouthguard.com. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Diggs and I are going to talk all things 4A, 3A, and 2A in this region championship right here on the North Texas Regional Show on S2S Sports, part of L4 Media. Here at L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. And you can see it all on our YouTube channel at L4 Media Company. Like and subscribe. Terry Bennett back here on the North Texas show, or I'm just going ahead and call it right now. Sideline to sideline part two with Matt Diggs, because we're not just talking North Texas. I told y'all this when I recorded the open before uh, Matt Diggs now joins me on the phone and you want to go all across the state of Texas. Small, small school Diggsy is out in full effect tonight. How are you doing, buddy? We sure are. Sideline to sideline, junior, all the sideline without coach X, the ratings will go through the roof. <laughs> Uh, I, after this week, maybe, man, the uh, Carthage fans are not happy with Grant Goodwin this week. Uh, I know, don't know if you know. I'm pretty sure you at least know. But one of the things of the Pleasant Grove game was that some call supposedly were questionable, and they went Carthage's way, whatever. I didn't see it. so But we were told that by third parties. Like, yeah, you know, Carthage won the game, and they deserve to. But, yeah, there's some calls that went th against their uh, Pleasant Grove that hurt them. And, and Grant just brought that up on the show and – Ooh, on Smokey, that started a firestorm. So you might you might take the lead this week. Well, Carthage fans are, are a little bit sensitive. I think they've got that Alito-itis going on, that kind of entitlement in, in the fandom right there. I know I've, I've attracted some stray bullets from Carthage. And at the end of the day, when I speak of Carthage, I speak of it as a fan. If I'm covering Carthage, I'm going to capitalize touchdown Carthage and give them the respect. But as a fan, and we talked about this throughout, I'm tired of the same old thing. I'm tired of Carthage and Alito and all of these, you know, big dogs coming in there. So as a fan, 
I would have liked to see nothing new. From respect level for Coach Surratt and those players, nothing but respect to do that year after year with a target on your back is nothing short of sensational. Me personally, I'm just tired of it. Well, I will say this, and we might be starting out of turn, but, I mean, it's our show, so we can start wherever we want. I have seen a team now two of the three playoff weeks that in 4A Division Two that I think might be the best bet to beat Carthage, and that is the Belleville Brahmas. They're the real deal, man. You know, that first Tell league, me about it. Yeah. I saw a meme. I saw a meme out there that said something like, you know, their kicker has scored more points than they've given up. And, and it, it, it just seemed unbelievable, like the stats that they were listing off on this thing. And so I, want, I was hoping you would have some feedback on Belleville because our ward over in Houston, he's excited about Belleville. He thinks it's one of their best chance for a small school Houston area to do something at state. So let's, let's hear your feedback on Sideline to Sideline Junior. You can probably hear a more expanded version of it on the big show but for me give me a little bit of a scouting report on belleville all right so we went and saw them against west orange stark in round one and they blew the doors off of west orange stark and and west orange stark to be fair had the gauntlet they had been in they just looked tired and you see that sometimes i know people want to use the term quit and they have no heart it's not about that sometimes you just physically can't get up anymore that's just how this is but we left at halftime so, last week, we go back down to Houston, and we caught Needville-Kilgore first, and then we swing over to Belleville versus Jasper at Planet Ford Stadium. By the way, my first time there, really fun stadium. And it was Belleville-Silsby. I mean, this was everything you want in Southeast Texas, Houston area. You've got the Belleville Brahmas with that slot T and the, maybe the best defensive lineman in the state. Uh, then you have Silsby with maybe the best wide receiver slash athlete in the state. They're good. Winner of this looks to be the favorite to take on Carthage. Uh, and then the game starts, and Belleville just proceeds to whip Silsby up and down the field. I'm talking about it, it was scary. I mean, it literally was scary how bad they made a really, really good Silsby team look. For all the talk we talk about Carthage and what they do when they play good teams, and they do it, I've never seen a top, what I think of top five team in Silsby, and they had the record to prove it against a really good, tough schedule, but a top five team just absolutely get dominated the way Belleville dominated them. Belleville's the real deal. I, I think they can beat Carthage. I do think the negative is what they do offensively is, is one-dimensional, and that is really, really tough to do against the Carthage coach squad. But... That defense for Belleville, the DJ Sanders on the defensive line. I mean, just all they, it's just, they're a work of art, dude. And, and I am, I mean, I called it on the 4A show. It's Belleville versus Carthage in the state championship, in my opinion. I'm excited. I found the meme. I just want to read it. This is a week old, so this is going into this week, and I'm sure it's even worse now. It said, uh, Belleville is 12 and 0, has outrushed its opponents 4,904 to 269. Belleville has 79 rushing touchdowns. Opponents have one. Belleville has six passing touchdowns. And Fernando uh, Grajales has 100 points this year. The Belleville kicker, Belleville opponents as a total have a grand total of 62. Yep. That and got that, my attention immediately. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, again, this this isn't a team that is playing, you know, they're not playing a DISD schedule. They're not playing all Houston ISD teams. They're not playing a bunch of, three A teams and just beating up on bad teams. Um, they did play a three A team. It's Cameron Yo and Cameron Yo is pretty solid this year. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but they still they're still a, a Cameron Yo team with a lot of talent. But what they've done in the playoffs against West Orange Stark, against Madisonville, the team that upset Belleville last year in round two with that crazy nine to seven score or something. It was a really really small score, uh, beating them sixty seven to nothing. And then beating Silsby 61 to 7. It, it's just phenomenal. It, it's what they are doing. And they're doing it with, again, DJ Sanders, he's everything on the defensive line, but they've got three or four running backs. They've got a linebacker core that flies to the ball. Connor Gaines had at least three and a half sacks a, against uh, Silsby. And, and again, this is a Silsby team with a really good offensive line. And, and this Belleville defense just absolutely dominated them, man. Th there was at one point we were counting. Silsby had 16 snaps, 15 of them were negative yardage. The 16th one was a two-yard gain. That is 1983 Dangerfield level of defense right there. 
Yeah, and the, those stats I, I mentioned, if, if they're independently true, which I've not verified, are danger field, 1983 Dangerfield level. And that's going to be fun because Carthage showed, at least to me, against Pleasant Grove, they're a beatable team with, you know, with a kind of a, a balanced running, a balanced attack. Now, we know Belleville doesn't have a balanced attack. Uh, but again, if they get, all it takes in football is to play penalty free and to get four yards of play, and you will win 100% of your games if you can do that. Uh, so if Belleville can do what they do and, and make, go for it on fourth down here and there, or fourth down and one, trust that offensive line. I think they're going to be a trendy pick, uh, pick to beat Carthage. And unfortunately, though, Terry, in four A Division two, I don't think after this week we're going to have any arguable DFW area teams. And, and I know for some, Glen Rose is not necessarily an arguable DFW area team. I don't know what some people call that big country or whatever. I consider Glen Rose a DFW area team, or at least a North Texas area team. Uh, but man, West Plains is looking really good. But again, I think you know, in, in some of these games, we're talking about feeding to the state championship, and I think we're just feeding. To to the state championship in 4A Division II. Uh, there's a lot of fun storylines to talk about. Uh, and again, Glen Rose getting here after the start they got. I'm yeah. excited to, to see that. But I, I, from what I've seen in calibration uh, in Bushland, kind of, you know, the West Plains and Bushland had uh, a decent calibration there as far as kind of looking at Gunter and uh, Canadian and, and things like that. But man, I think uh, Glen Rose has is, is met, met its match finally. Yeah. And, you know, Glen Rose. Partly, you know, we said this on the show yesterday, partly, let's be honest, the, the, their side of the region. But Glen Rose has this cycle where they get a quarterback and they get a, a good group and, and they, they, they start them with sophomores and they, they continue as juniors. And then by seniors, they usually make a, a region or state semifinal trip. You know, last year, we can talk about it, should have beat Carthage. The fumble that, you know, I, I just know that that's one of those things that any Glen Rose fan probably will shudder for the next 20 years thinking about. But so that normally means, okay, this year they'll take their step back, might make the playoffs. Next year they'll get a little better. And then, in, you know, in two, in two more years they'll be back. Well, they're, they're early. Uh, and, and here they are. Now, I agree with you. West Plains is just on a different level. And I know everybody keeps going, well, why is West Plains on a different level? Well, it's the same thing with Bernie. And, yes, I know Bernie got beat th this week or two weeks ago. It's the same thing with Iowa Colony. I know they got beat by Chapel Hill, but it still remains. They're just depth bigger. And then Canyon West Plains has Reed making at quarterback, King Talent at wide receiver, wide receiver slash athlete. That guy does everything for them. They're and and I hate to knock the the, the West Texas, but for a West Texas team, they're extremely athletic, and I just think they're going to pose a lot of matchup problems for Glen Rose. Yeah, I agree. And again, we can talk about the side of the bracket, but it is so important on this side. Glen Rose did not have a strong district. They did not have a strong three round run. And you even come to talk about it when we talk about Brock coming up. The run that they went on, they're basically playing the equivalent of Dallas area fourth place teams yeah. every single week. They don't have a win where you can go in the playoffs. Okay, I have a little bit of hope here. Uh, Glen Rose is, is a product of their bracket and sometimes when you're in region one it is what it is i mean we've seen alito have four you know games in in a 5a division two in the in region one in the past where you're just like wow you know like you know, we have teams that didn't make the playoffs that would have advanced that far but then you know in the state semifinals to take care of business but it'll be interesting to see how west plains would match up with a carthage team and it's weird because we're completely dismissing gilmer but i'm completely dismissing gilmer in in this game uh, this is not the Gilmer that we, we know of. They've kind of made it here. Their bracket was very fortunate yeah. uh, through DFW area teams. They didn't have to go through Pleasant Grove again. Uh, I think Carthage big. I think West Plains big. I think Belleville big. And I think Wimberley big. I don't think we're going to have a competitive game in 4A Division two this week. Uh, no, I don't. Um, and, and to be fair, I, I do want to, since you brought up Wimberley, I do want to say, I, I don't think Belleville, should, you know, I, I, I say this, but I didn't say they did do it against uh, Silsby. I don't think Belleville will shred Wimberley. That'll be a game. Wimberley, I, I went down and saw Wimberley play Land Pass this uh, September. I guess it was because we were still we went down to Canyon Lake and swam. But anyway, um, it, it, and they've got a big offensive line. And Noah Birdsong at wide receiver and, and Cody Stever at, at quarterback, he's the guy that if that pass rush gets to him, he if he eludes it, he can cause a lot of problems. So I'm, I, I don't think Belleville necessarily has a walk to the state championship. And, and I'm like you. Every year that Carthage has won state, and Pleasant Grove counts as it because that was a close game, but there's always usually one other game that's kind of close that you're not expecting. Glen Rose was it last year. Canyon West Plains is, is too young 
too big and too dumb to even care about Carthage. There's going to be no fear, when, and we're both assuming that they advance, but they're going to. And like I said, I think they're going to be close. But there's going to be no fear from West Plains because they're too young. Like they, they just don't, they don't have an understanding of Carthage. West Plains hasn't been this far ever. This is their second year. So those are the type of teams that usually give the Blue Bloods and the powerhouses a lot of problems because there's no intimidation or fear. You think we'll get that game in DSW? I would think, yeah, that feels like a game at the star. Uh, that, that really does. Or maybe me. You know, he hates the star. Who, Surratt? Surratt, yeah. Well, yeah, because the Midlothian Heritage game. <laughs> right. And last, last game, last, Glenn Rose as well. So oh, yeah. I don't, I, think he wants I, see, play I, the star. I don't know why. I, I wasn't at the game. But for some reason, in my mind, and it's completely wrong, it's just one of those things. I feel I, I always thought that the Glen Rose Carthage game was out like in the a wet turf. But yeah, it was at the star. But yeah, but I mean, you, you got to go where you got to go. I mean, maybe Mesquite. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those if I'm West Plains, and, and I would do this more and more if I was an underdog. I'd be like, screw it, we're flipping home for home. And that would be my steadfast line. And if the, if the, if if the other team doesn't want to as straight home and home, well, then they have to go with the option of okay. Well, we'll declare a home. You declare a home. And if I'm Canyon, I'm declaring Midland Grande, Lubbock, somewhere crazy. Win the toss and get Carthage traveling on the bus. Now you could say, well, if you lose, hey, you're the underdog anyway. What's it? again? I don't think this team would be phased going into Carthage for a playoff game, but I imagine it'll be. Probably the star, maybe Mesquite, maybe McKinney, one of those. But, yeah, DFW, I don't see how it's not DFW. Or maybe even Justin Northwest kind of get it out Yeah, Justin Northwest. I thought maybe Denton, you know, if you wanted to go north side. Either way. But, yeah, it it seems like that's a perfect game for this. But I do – I am glad you agree with that. I know some people are trying to tell me that they think Sinton might give Wimberley a hard time. No, they won't. Hey, good season by Sinton. But they're just – again, they're in a bracket – where the, the, their path's just a little bit different, and that region, it, that's Wimberley's region until realignment, and it still might be <laughs> uh, Wimberley's region. Hey, I heard you say Brock, so screw it. Let's just keep staying out of, out of, uh, out of, uh, you know, numerical uh, row and go 3A Division One now, because I have not been able to listen to your show, uh, the 4-3A Report. Uh, Paradise 12 and 1, Brock 10 and 3, Friday 7 p.m., Mineral Wells, Ram Stadium, the rematch of the district. That's what this region has been for the last four years, the rematch of this district. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, I'm going to go to this game. I'm excited about it, uh, but I'm less excited about it after doing my prep work for the for this game uh, because Austin, uh, Austin Iglesias got hurt in the game against, uh, against Bushland. He played, but you know, there's a lot of questions and you could read the coach speak in the, in the wise County paper. They lost Isaiah Jennings and these were both two way players. So not only have they lost two players, they potentially lost three or four. If I, if Iglesias can go, probably only going to be one way, probably not a running threat. Uh, they had w- eight winners going in in the fourth quarter just to do quarterback uh, draws and whatnot because Iglesias could not run. So if you take that those factors and you know put Iglesias at 75% uh, and put him back there, Brock is just going to shred him, unfortunately. Uh, you know, if, if this was a close game, if, if everybody, if we had the best version of Brock and the best version of Paradise, I would have given Brock a seven-point advantage knowing that they make one or two mistakes, and that's how Paradise – uh, can get into the get in and win that game if they avoid this big special teams play and they play a clean game themselves. That was their pathway to winning. Right now, as a wounded animal, I think Brock is going to take care of business. And Brock, you know, they uh, the the Clyde quarterback last week got hurt last yep. year. The Bushling quarterback got hurt. I mean, Brock is living right when it comes to this. And again, that takes nothing away from Brock because Brock is it would be where they would be. I have Brock as a favorite anyway, but I think this game has gotten significantly easier with the news of the injuries. Well, and, and maybe not the Iglesias injury, but I mean the car injury and last year the Dawson Jacko injury. I mean, you could say that's the physicality of Brock, and I don't mean like in a dirty way. They just hit hard, right? And and yeah. even though Carr had got two touchdowns against Brock he was living he was running from his life from the first snap I even think if Paradise was 100% Brock would win I I know that score that 26 of 14 score looks really closer but I actually got to basically watch all of that game piecing it together through different uh like huddle and stuff Brock never was really challenged in that game there wasn't a moment watching that game that I felt okay if Paradise can just do it here they're back in it Brock just didn't, they didn't finish on some of their drives. And that's the one thing that to me has been the most impressive since that gunner game 
is this Brock offense has gone from just being okay, which is where I thought it was a lot of the times last year, to now this Brock offense is a legitimate plus for them to where I, I at one time I really had Malakoff winning him if, if Malakoff gets past Winsboro, but now it just feels like Brock's headed back to state. Yeah, I, I agree, but uh, and, and we'll get down there a little bit uh, about the Malakoff and, and, and the Winsboro thing. But again, Brock really hasn't had to play a game in this. You think of Clyde and how close that Clyde and Peaster game was. And this was basically Brock's biggest opponent. And, and they got it, it went back and forth for like that two quarters until Blake Carr got hurt. I think it was 14-14, and then they scored 51-61 straight or something. And then you got a garbage time touchdown by Clyde. And their offense is good enough to do it. But Brock is, unfortunately, it's been this way for two years, a turnover machine. And they got to get past that at some point. Because when you play these next two games uh, against whoever they're going to play, because the next two games are going to be solid 50-50 games. And they're going to have to play at their best. I still have yet to see Brock play at their best in this, in this run, you know, I mean, you can, you have to kind of look back to their preseason and go, okay, maybe, maybe finally against uh, Hershey, they, they looked good in that game, maybe against Pleasant Grove, even though they gave up that last touchdown, even though Pleasant Grove uh, was still kind of finding themselves and they've gotten significantly better. Brock is still a little bit broken. As far as I'm concerned, Alito fans got mad at me for using the word broken and broken just means need in need of repair and turnovers is what I see is in need of repair. You can't, and it happened in the state championship game. You just cannot go have two, three turnovers in a game and expect to win a state championship. It's got to get cleaner for Brock. Again, though, I feel like we were literally saying the same thing last year. Like we were saying this at the same time last year, except for it was Whitesboro. And in fact, you were very adamant that you thought Whitesboro finally had gotten Brock's number and it just Brock just knows how to turn it on in this region against these teams. Even if, even if we don't think they're playing that clean, I mean, I'd make the case that, you know, you, you can have a turnover when you're scoring 59, 76 and 75 in your playoff games. Um, and and so, and, I'm, and again, I'm not saying you're wrong in any stretch on any of that. I, I just feel like, I feel like this is a broken record. I just don't think this region can, can handle Brock, even if Brock doesn't play their best. Now, let's go to the next one because you are right. They can't, in my opinion, have that same type of game and, and play a team like Winsboro or Malakoff because I do, and I'm going, I'm, well, I, I could be going to this game. I could be going to the Gunter game. It, it all depends on some other things. But Winsboro 12 and 0 versus Malakoff 13 and 0, Friday, 7 30 p.m., Forney's City Bank Stadium. And as great as Malakoff has been all year, and, that, and their message has been, we want Brock, we want to, we want to, you know, we want to be able to redeem ourselves from last year when they admitted, hey, we got out physical, and we didn't think that would happen. This Winsboro team's no joke, man, and, and their quarterback and their wide receiver core and, and their offensive line and their defense is very underrated. Uh, I, I've been going back and forth on this when I said on the show, Winsboro, and I'm going to stick with it. I think Winsboro wins this game. You know, when I did my analysis for this, for the district four, three report to kind of look ahead, I went into it fully expecting to take Malakoff. Mm -hmm. It's Malakoff. You know, we're, we're, we're expecting that. And then I looked at, and, and I went a little bit, a bit of a deep dive. I looked at the two games, the Mount Vernon and T game. That's the game that they both uh, have in common. Winsboro played much better on both sides of the ball in both of those games than Malakoff did. Now you're starting to compare blowouts a little bit and, and, and that's a little bit of a slippery slope, but still Winsboro went ahead favorably. There's not a weakness on the Winsboro football team. Their offense is great. Their defense is very good. And Malakoff has, you know, they, they have a couple of questions and, and Malakoff has slept walk through a couple of quarters, a couple of halves, some turnover issues, Winsboro is just playing clean football down the road. I think Winsboro is a favorite in this game. Now, Malakoff with that physical defense can generate the turnovers to flip the script a little bit, but I think in at their best, Winsboro is better right now. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not beating Whitney that did it. I mean, that, that tossed it over the edge for me for Winsboro. It's beating them 72 to 17. A lot of 70s in this region or in this class, this, uh, this playoff year. It's weird because me and Grant were talking about that on the way down to Houston, like, you know, you get blowouts every year in the playoffs, and you get more blowouts than people even want to accept. But it feels like this year there has been more just holy crud. Teams are not, you know, they're not going, okay, we're up 45 to nothing. Let's throttle back. Nope, let's keep going. Let's score 50 and 60. And I don't know why, but sometimes I kind of enjoy that. 
I mean, at, at, at this point, you are trying to get into that playing your best football at the right time, mm-hmm. and you just have to view that opponent as an obstacle, and, and you go over them, and, and we do definitely see that uh, because, you know, we and I even kind of go back. I think of Honeygrove. We've been talking about Honeygrove this year. We, they were looking good against bad teams. Yes. You know, I'm not c- comparing some of the. I'm not saying Whitney is a bad team, but the first time that they had to play two, you know, when they played Cooper and then when they lost in the playoffs, it got real ugly uh, against them real quick. Even though they looked great all year, and that could end up being with Winsboro this week. We could see them having looked great until they face that team with a defense that's just good enough to completely shut them down, and their and their defense isn't good enough to replicate that against Malikov and in that game could get ugly. It's, it's kind of hard because you hear us on the media. We're saying this could be a really, really good game or it could be a blowout because you, you just never know if one team is just that much better than the other team in a couple of key matchups, it can get away from a team real quick. And the great thing is, is talking about these four game or these four teams in region three, you've got the defending state champ, two time Franklin, Versus Lorena, a state champ two years ago, got revenge against the team that knocked them out last year by beating Columbus and beating them up. Not just beating them, but beating up a really good Cardinal team. Uh, this is a matchup that was, of course, in district. Lorena won 52 to 49 with a game winning field goal, kind of an improbable drive when it looked like they weren't going to have enough time. I like Franklin in this rematch. I, I, I said it on the show. There's a reason why Franklin hasn't lost in the playoffs in a long time. You know, we're talking one, two, three, four years since Franklin lost in a playoff game that was not the state championship game. Remember, before they won two in a row, they lost a Canadian in that epic uh, state championship game. I just feel like the Lions just do enough again, and, and this is going to be another close one, but I, I like Franklin in this one. I'm going to take Lorena in this one. No I've had some of my friends, you know, kind of get on to me about this. So like, I think Franklin, they, they gave the same logic you do. Playoff Franklin is different than regular season Franklin. But at the same time, Columbus was the team we were all looking at at Region 3 as perhaps being that big dog. And Lorena took care of them last week. So it's not like they're coming out of a, a weak district or a weak region oh, no. where, you know, it's window dressing. They're playing at an incredibly high level, and they already have the confidence of having beaten Franklin. I think they're going to do it again. Uh, again, I, it's a close enough game that I have no problem with who, whatever anybody picks as long as somebody just comes over there. Oh, I think it's a five-touchdown shutout. It's not going to be that. It's going to be another battle. Sadly, there's another region that's in this that nobody is talking about. Region 4, Edna 10-2 and two versus Blanco 11-2. and two. This game is in, at Friday at Bastrop Memorial Stadium. Edna's the hot choice because of how far they've been the last few years, and their defense is absolutely you know amazing. But I, I think the Blanco Panthers are that hot team that kind of comes out of nowhere. It's going to be sitting in that uh, uh, state semifinal against either Franklin or Lorena. Yeah, and then meeting Goliad or whoever they beat last year. Another coach was giving us, uh, giving people the media a little bit of business, and Blanco took care of that. And I think Blanco, like you said, playing at a very high level, I think they're going to take care of Edna. All right, so let's now go ahead and move over to 3A Division Two. We got Region One Wall eleven and two versus Canadian thirteen and zero. Friday, Lubbock's Pirate Stadium. And I go ahead and let's go ahead and bunch this with Jacksboro 13 and 0 versus Gunner 13 and 0. Friday didn't. Collins Stadium. I might be at that game. I might be at the Winsboro Malakoff. I don't know which one yet. But I'm bunching these together because everybody, all of us in the world of high school Texas football, even people outside of the state have been talking about, man, when Gunner and Canadian play, holy crap. And I think that's going to happen. But I will say, Wall and Jacksboro are two teams that if either one of these teams are sleeping on and looking just at the other one, they can get tripped up. Now, I think Wall could trip up Canadian more than Jacksboro can trip up Gunner simply because Wall has a legit, really, really good defense. I still think at the end of the day, though, Canadian and Gunter move on without too many problems. I've been picking against Jacksboro almost you know, three Me or too. four times this year, and I'm over three or four in those picks. I feel a lot better about Gunner, you know, kind of putting my uh, chips on the Gunner bandwagon at the end of the day. But got to give Jacksboro credit. Yes. This was a program-defining year for them to get to this point. If this is all they get to, uh, beating Holiday the way they did an epic comeback last week just – uh, I, I was talking to the Wichita Falls writer in just an epic game, uh, and 
got to give them props, but Gunter is just that team this this year, and Canadian is just that team, and we've been waiting for that. Sure hope they play it on a Thursday. I'm getting tired of these Friday games with conflicts. We only had three Thursday games in the state, and they moved one of them uh, out. I was planning on going to Longview this week until we had weather concerns uh, for Garrison Timpson because I wanted to kind of give Polar a little bit of a scouting report, and I think that the winner of that game will go to the state championship and, and likely play Toler. Uh, but, man, uh, got to get some of these games on Thursday. I feel like last couple of years, we've had a lot of Thursday games, people lining up their yeah. schedule for that. And this, this year it's kind of changed a little bit. Well, and, and talking to a couple of the coaches in three, a that, that I do shows with, well, I mean, it's easy to know who I'm talking about Mathis at Brock and Fannin at Franklin. Cause they're the last two. They're still alive for my coach's show. I think the realization is, is yeah, you want to have seven days every week if you can, but these are kids, and these teenagers can bounce back a lot more, you know, than, than you know. Even Mathis has talked about, you know, they'll have a huge physical game. And on Saturday, you know, he's walking in expecting to see kids in the ice baths and all that, and they're all out there playing wiffle ball in the locker room. So kids can bounce back way more. And I think they've realized that, and so it's let's not worry about relining up till next week. And I do think next week – because all the three A's are on Thursday. So you, I, I would assume next week all the three A's are going to be on Thursday lining up for that state championship. I hope so, because I love, I love when you have those Thursday games and you have some epic games, Canadian and, and Gunner. Man, I hope, I hope that's going to be fun. Even if I got to take a road trip to Abilene or Wichita Falls or something, I'm going to do it for that game. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun game. And, and I apologize again if we have Wall listeners, Jacksboro listeners, these teams are just that good this year and it could get ugly and it could get real ugly. And, and again, I, I get you, you hype the trip up and, and this, that, or the other, but these two teams are on a collision course and they are five to six touchdowns better than everybody in their region. So it would take a significant trip for either of these two teams to trip up. I agree. And, you know, I know a lot of people after this game next week will say, well, there's your state champ, but I want to make a point that, Class 3A Division 2, the teams that have come through in Region 3 and even Region 4, because I think Tidehaven might be the real deal with how good they are defensively, but Region 3 specifically, Dangerfield or Newton, neither one of them are going to be afraid of Canadian or Gunter, and I think we can all make the case that Dangerfield and Newton will out-athlete Gunter and Canadian. Um, that's one of those men that – if 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 Gunner or Canadian, whoever wins that semifinal, thinks that the the state champion's about to be, you know, in a walkthrough, uh, I think they're in for for a little bit of a shock. And I think it's going to be Newton. I mean, last year in Region Three at Harmony, that was a great story, uh, and Newton just completely, you know, old yellered them last week and put them down and, and took care of business. I think you're going to see Newton take care of business against Dangerfield. I like Tidehaven as well. I'll be. Fa- I think whether or not I'll get, have an upset pick. Uh, for Region 3 or Region 4 will come down to how Newton and Tidehaven play or whoever ends up coming out of that uh, Region 3, Region 4. Uh, kind of like what I'm looking with Belleville and Wimberley. I'm, I want to see that game yeah. and see how they perform in that level to see if, okay, maybe I should take an upset pick. Maybe it'll be a more competitive game or it's just going to be the Gunner Canadian show in the state championship. But I, I agree. Newton has definitely played in a way uh, at times. I think about that Franklin Gunner game a couple years ago. You don't want to mess with that Region 3 yeah. game because they're going to be very good. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that game, not not everybody thought that Gunner was the prohibitive favorite, but everybody thought that they were going to win that game. And, and I, I, I get the Newton pick, and I agree. And, man, if Newton does it this year, they might be back on another run because, like, their stud running back's a freshman and three of their offensive linemen are freshmen and they're really young. But I will always go with what Grant says when Dangerfield. When Dangerfield wants to play, uh, there's nobody in the state that can beat them. It's just with them, you just never know what Dangerfield team you're going to get. So, and this, I think Duncanville by 35, me personally. <laughs> what, what do I know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to throw what that back. What do I know, Grant? Throw that back at him. <laughs> Anybody in the state. Come uh, on. But yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I like Dangerfield in that game. But, and, and by the way, that's a nice one of those little rivalries that pop up every few years. They don't play enough against each other to, to say it's a, like a Canadian gunner. Um, but by the way, I really do wish Dangerfield and Newton would just go ahead and schedule each other. And Canadian and Gunner, too, especially Gunner. We've talked about that before. In their region, in 3A Division 2, 
you know, they played up against Brock, but they tend to not play a lot of good teams in non-district. And it'd be nice if they would go ahead and travel to Canadian and start one of those. But anyway, let's go to Class 4A Division 1, and then we'll hit the double two A's at the end. Uh, Region 1, you've got Brownwood 12-1 and versus Decatur 9-4. 7 p.m. Friday at Waco's McLean Stadium. I like Decatur in this game. Brownwood's a great story. I call as one of those one-man shows that's really fun to watch. The problem is he's a one-man show on offense. Decatur, I know they have four losses, but good God, go look at that schedule. And I think they were made for the playoffs. And, and they were. And when I was kind of doing my research on this, I was, it's one of those things you know, but then you just become really fascinated at this point in the in the in the season where you're looking at Decatur's already played Stephenville and Anna. Yep. Brownwood's already played Stephenville. So these are teams that scheduled the big dogs in 4A Division One, knowing they would be here at this time. And look at your final four in this top of the, of the top half of the bracket. It's these teams that have all played each other that have that experience that expected to be here at this point. But I agree with you. I think Decatur just has too much. And it sucks too because not not again nothing against Decatur but man Brownwood versus Stephenville which I don't think Stephenville's gonna get past Anna Stephenville's too banged up on the offensive side if if Tate Marukas can't go uh, I know they beat Brownwood like that but you're not gonna beat Anna like that but it, just in saying man what would Brownwood Stephenville in the playoffs be that would that would just that would free some people in that area they wouldn't know what to do but unfortunately I don't think they're making it to either one of them. Well, I'm actually going to take Stephenville, and and you might have some intel on Stephenville, which you know might might sway my opinion on that. You talked about their quarterback having you know some banged up offensive lines. Anna just, I, I watched, I was there last week against yeah. Panther Creek and they had to hit a Hail Mary effectively to win that game. Uh, and, and Jacob Emmers is the real deal and, and their quarterback is good, but there were times where they, I, I saw what I saw when they were struggling with Paris. And I saw what I saw when, you know, they had that run against Salina where they got up big and then they kind of just went to sleep. They are not a complete 48 minute powerhouse at this point. And I, I look at what Stephenville defensively did to Salina. And I know there were some fourth quarter, fourth down plays and some questionable calls. It wasn't like just a complete shutout where they never got past the 50 yard line, you know, kind of danger field 83 esque uh, that we were talking about. So I just didn't execute and Stephenville was well coached. They knew the trick plays that were coming and were just like waiting for them, you know, when they were doing their little fourth down, you know, option plays and, and crazy things like that. But Anna is just not a phys- physical team and they're not a big team on the lines. And at the end of the day, I think if Stephenville has is, has 85% of that, they should take care of Anna, especially with that defense, because Anna's offense, it, it looks good when it's playing, when they're basically playing middle tier defenses, when they play a good defense, it's probably going to get shut down. I kind of think of Malikoff and Grandview, how great Malikoff uh, Grandview looked against Pottsboro. When you're playing average defenses or below average defenses, you're putting up great points. When you play a good defense and you get hit in the face, it gets real uh, change, especially at these small school levels. And I, seven, three last week. And I don't see Anna having the level of offense or the level of size to just stand up to Stephenville. So I'm going to take Anna or I'm going to take Stephenville in this game. I just don't think Stephenville can score. I, I mean, I know Anna's defense isn't, Oh my God. But I mean, this is more of just, I mean, you can look at the records, uh, you know, Tate Mariscus, they're running back. He basically got hurt before the Brownwood game. We were told that he would basically play slot receiver. And then they ended up bringing him in for like six carries uh, and that's kind of what sealed the deal against Brownwood. Uh, but, I mean, they score 27 against Brownwood. They score 31 against China Spring. They score 23 against La Vega, a team that defensively was terrible for most of the year. They score 47 against Western Hills, but then 20 against Carter, 7 against Salina. And, and if we're going to compare, and, and, you know, again, as you and I always say, we only compare for calibration, not for picking, but th- that's a Salina team that Anna scored 40 on. And like you said, actually kind of let off the gas in that fourth quarter. You can make the case that if, if they'd have stayed just like, hey, like we were talking about scoring 70, they might have scored 60 on Salina. So I, I agree with everything you're saying about the defensive side of Stephenville. I, I think this is a low-scoring game, but this seems like one of those games where – Zion, Zion Andre Williams finds Jacob Emmers just a couple times on some big plays, some broken plays, and, and you see Anna get out with like a 28 to 24 type of game. And he is good enough to absolutely do that. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I don't say this very often. I'm now putting the pick 
back under consideration with your persuasiveness. I'm going to think about it some more uh, just because I'm really not impressed with just either of these four teams as teams that are Good like a state, I can't see the state champion being one of these four teams. Well, that's kind of how I'll put that. I, you know, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I can see Anna because of matchups with other teams, uh, but let's go ahead and go to region three because I, I kind of feel like this might be your state championship, you know, game. Uh, Kilgore twelve and one, Chapel Hill eleven and two. A rematch, of course, of their nine four A district uh, division one game where Kilgore had their way really with Chapel Hill. But Chapel Hill's gotten way better, especially defensively. What they did last week defensively was was surprising. It wasn't beating Iowa Colony, which that was kind of a surprise. I had that as a little bit of an upset. Uh, but but at you know holding Iowa Colony's de- offense, um, I, I I said last night, and I'm going to stick with it. I still think Kilgore just is a bad matchup for Chapel Hill. I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, Chapel Hill has definitely increased more of their potential ceiling. That's my, my phrase of the year right now, my potential ceiling. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, especially at the beginning of the season, you're always just looking at the Chapel Hill sports, just going, they're about to lose one, you know, I've yeah. been waiting for that to happen. And then Kilgore got them and, and got them convincingly. Uh, and, and I wasn't expecting that. I thought this region went through Chapel Hill. I think they were number one in, on Dave Campbell's at the time. Uh, and uh, the way Kilgore beat them, I just can't see, uh, Chapel Hill getting that much better. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm just going to throw a little 6A nugget. I, I think of Byron Nelson, how Byron Nelson dominated South Lake Carroll in that game, but they also had three turnovers, and I'm taking South Lake Carroll because Carroll has now played better the way that uh, that Chapel Hill has ever since that loss. So sometimes these losses can wake you up and take you to that next level, uh, but I think especially in the smaller schools, you are who you are at the end of the day, and I think Kilgore is a better team than Chapel Hill. Now, I, I think the elephant in the room in this division, or I should say the wolves in the room, is San Antonio Davenport. They're starting to look more and more like what Bernie was last year when we all knew that Bernie was good, but, man, I don't think a lot of people until about week eight or nine said, oh, wait a minute, Bernie might make it to state. Davenport started to have that feeling. They, they had that weird loss to Vernon in district. I kind of wrote them off. I had Davenport making the uh, the uh, state championship game in our Big R's preview show. I just talking to people down there, they were like, dude, this team is big. This team is young. This team has a lot of talent. Everybody's back. They have a quarterback that's now a sophomore who's just absolutely amazing. They have a really good running back. And so I went with it in a, you know, in a 4A division one that, you know, there's a lot of questions. We didn't know what China Spring would be have coming back and all that. So I said, screw it. I think Davenport's going to make it. Here they are, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about them. I think they beat the Sand Crabs. And, and again, as much as we said Kilgore, Chapel Hill winner, I kind of feel like Davenport, Davenport's that type of team that would take this division a division that's kind of just all of a sudden turned into a potpourri of multiple teams that could. This is one of the things I wanted to kind of go on a little rant about that I knew we would be talking about at some point. It has really nothing to do with the X's and O's. It's just my annoyance as a as a North Texas blowhard who doesn't really cover the rest of the state, respect the rest of the state for, let's be honest, I don't respect the rest of the state. It's a DFW thing. Uh, you know, and, and so I don't know the intricacies of San Antonio. I don't know the intricacies of Houston. I do know the intricacies of Dallas. But, you know, I, I'm hearing people talk about how this is Como, Como ISD or something yeah. like that, and they got Piper and Davin. Like, why are we calling it San Antonio then? You know, I mean, like, are, are we don't call, it's, it's like a, somebody called Louisville Hebron. You know, I, I get that that's their technical name, but here in our area, you know, we don't call it that because we know that they're not in Louisville. I mean, they're in Louisville ISD, but we know they're not in Louisville City and all that kind of stuff. So I don't like when you have these these kind of fringe teams like people call South San Antonio Alamo Heights. I just call them Alamo Heights because Alamo Heights kind of stands by itself over there in its own region. So I, this is one of these things that annoys me that when we start getting into these UIL naming conventions and it's really not – that and you know I, I think it kind of gives you a because if you could ask me if this is san antonio isd north north side ISD, i wouldn't have known what isd they are and and i think that's kind of important for us to know as externals what version of san antonio it is kind of this houston's this big city you got sci fair and you got you know kind of the the variants of you know the the king and stafford and all these kind of areas in houston even though uh, it's, it's a big city but houston isd is a completely different version of houston football than some of these kind of fringe parts of houston so 
I don't like that that we're just kind of calling it San Antonio Davenport. I think we should figure out a new name for well, it. And That's to, just my rant. No, I totally agree. And I'm sitting here looking at the map, and of course, it's firmly in Como County. That's why it's you know Como ISD. And it's not like it's, I mean, it's it's upper north of San Antonio, but it's not like it's, you know, it's not sitting on the cusp of San Antonio. It's it, it's closer to New Braunfels. I, I, my whole thing is, is why don't we simply ask the school ISD what they want to be called and go by that? So Grant and I, two years ago, we went down to watch, uh, I can't remember who we were even watching the first game, but the second game was a 5A game, and it was Houston Memorial versus somebody uh, and Houston Memorial is kind of like the Highland Park of that Houston area. They're extremely well off. And it, it was fun watching them because they were all having cocktails in the parking lot and all that. And you could just tell they were just happy to be there on the you know first round. They're not like Highland Park in that they necessarily want to win. They want to win, but you know they're happy if they go two rounds in the playoffs. So anyway, so we're driving back home, and I'm trying to find information on them. And I can't find anything on them. I, where's this Houston Memorial? And Grant was like, oh, I think they're actually spring. And they are. So why the hell do we call them Houston Memorial? We don't call spring schools Houston anything. They're spring. So why is that not Houston? I mean, why is that not spring Memorial? Same thing with the, the Gilmer uh, Union Grove. Union Grove. Okay, well, Union Grove, maybe. I'm, th- I'm trying to think of the other one. There's another one that's Gilmer. Gilmer Harmony, I think it is. And it's, Harmony, like, yeah. it's like they're not even close to each other. I mean, they're close, too, but relative to you wouldn't look at the map and go, oh, I bet that school feels like they're connected to that city. Just ask the ISDs what they want to be called, and that's what I think the U.S. should go with. You know, that, that would be like if, if Fossil Ridge made it and people were calling it Fort Worth Fossil Ridge because it's in Fort Worth city limits technically. I mean, I, That's what, a, what is going on in the rest of the area where we're not calling them at least relatively what they are? And, Como and, County is a completely different part of this area. Yeah, and I think you, you, you kind of nailed it on the head, though. We don't do that, and I say we. I mean, I'm from East Texas, but damn, I've lived here in Dallas since 07, and I lived here before it for a stretch, too. Nobody inside or outside Dallas connects like South Lake. You don't go Dallas, South Lake. You don't right. go Dallas, Alito, Dallas, Brock, Fort Worth, Brock. None of us do that, and, and nobody on the outside does it. So I don't understand why in the other schools they do it or other cities they do it. And again, I don't even think it's the cities. I think it's the UAL. That just makes no sense because if you're trying to, especially a school like Davenport that's new, you're trying to get them people to know where they're at. If you say San Antonio and then you find out where they're at and you're like, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess North of why is, I, I don't know. I, I've had that same rant for years, brother. Uh, it just, it's annoying because it's some of them just don't make sense. Yeah. Because again, just kind of keeping up with things and realignment, all that. I just figured we had a new San Antonio ISD team coming out or a new Northside ISD team coming out because they've been building schools left and right. And even, you know, Sabolo Steel, I'll see it called shirts, Sabolo Steel. And then I always take off the shirts, but at least it kind of gives you an indication. It's yeah. not San Antonio Sabolo Steel. So I don't know what's going on in Central Texas. I'm going to blame Carl Padilla. I'm sure he has some something to do with it. Wait, whenever there's a mistake in Texas high school football, always blame Carl Padilla. It just makes it work. All right, let's move. Move on to class 2A. We'll start 2A Division 1. Man, we've got some great, great games in 2A Division 1. You got Stratford 13 and 0 versus Holly 11 and 2. 6 p.m. Friday, Lubbock's Lowry Field. They'll take on the winner of Toller 12 and 1 versus Marlin 11 and 2. That game is Thursday. Hey, a Thursday game. 7 p.m. at Midlothian's ISD Stadium. Great stadium. You know, in this region or in this class with Toller and Marlin and Garrison, and Timpson, and Refurio. Everybody seems to forget that it was Holly last year that went 16-0, beat Refurio in the state championship game, and kind of pushed them around. Yet we're all looking at Region 3 and Region 4, and even Region 2 with Toller. Nobody's talking about Holly, and I think that they're primed to do the exact same thing they did last year. Uh, I, I won't go that far. I, I, I'll, I'll take them over Stratford, but I think Toller is, is going to take care of Holly this this year, but again, I'm going to go see this game. I didn't want to go see this game because <laughs> I went and saw it last year and it was 71 to 18. And then you would kind of say, well, is Marlin 53 points better than they were last year? I think they're a few points better than they were last year, but I don't think they're 53 points better than they were last year. And I don't think Toller is 53 points worse than they were last year. So I think we're going to have a five score blowout uh, in that game. I think Holly takes care of business. 
for me as a Toller fan, and I'm just a flat out Toller fan at oh, this yeah. point, uh, I, I'm most worried about Garrison Timpson. I think their region three is playing better football right now on both sides of the ball, better athletes kind of reminds me of how Dallas Christian took care of Toller in that way. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing when I'm seeing Gimson, uh, Timpson and Garrison right now. Uh, so that's my biggest fear as a Toller fan. I, I don't want to see either of those two teams. I know you're probably going to have to. Well, I mean, again, we say that, but again, Holly, after Ferio beat Timpson, I think everybody was like, you know, that's it. It's over. You know, they're going to they're going to be the state champ. And again, Holly didn't didn't fluke upset them. They didn't beat them by one possession. They dominated them 54 to 28. And I know not all those guys are back, but I still go back to I, I think the one thing that might hurt a, a Timpson or a Garrison is that I don't know if they have that. I don't know. I'm not gonna say they're not physical, but you know what I mean. It, taller included, they're just a different style of physicality. It, it becomes it becomes athleticism against physicality. Sometimes one wins, sometimes the other. Usually, when the physicality wins, it's they kind of just start grinding a team down. And if whoever gets to Toller or Holly is going to go through a gauntlet in just two games. You got either you're either beating Timpson or Garrison, and then you're probably going to beat Refere. I don't think Ganado's going to stand a chance. They didn't the first time they played them. It's just a bad matchup for the Indians. So it's Timpson, Garrison, Refere. The winner of that's going to come out already just kind of wore down, and I think that's kind of what happened to Refere last year. Well, you know, Toller is not, I don't think, going to really have that problem because they've had such an easy bracket, and uh, I think – even this game That's is going true. to be easy. So they're going to be well-rested. And whereas you're right, the other have gone through a gauntlet and starting now, whereas I think Toller is really going to start their final push starting next week. And they're going to be healthy. We know Peyton Brown's back. And so Toller has had that rest. And they had really weren't tested at all in district. So, you know, I, I see Garrison and Timpson. And even last week, Cooper is not like a pushover. I mean, you know, we're talking about, you've had to play some really good games, but that could be Toller's downfall that they've seen good competition for these past weeks. And Toller has been, you know, trying to figure out how not to have, you know, blowouts for the last few weeks. So that could be a huge factor. And I think of what happened against Crawford uh, last year, that first time they had to play somebody, they buckled real quick. Yeah, that's a good point. But again, Crawford had been their, their poison for the last few years. So right. I think at that point last year, it became mental, and I still kind of think that I, I know I feel like half the Toller fans are whew, glad that Crawford wasn't as good this year. Then the other half, are like Dad, going. I really wanted us to finally be able to beat Crawford, right. uh, but but either way, they're going to still have to earn their way to uh, the state championship. All right, let's finish up with Class Two A Division Two: Clarendon ten and three, Sunray eleven and two, Friday Canyons Happy State Bank. That's Region One. They'll take on the winner of Albany thirteen and over versus Collinsville twelve and one. Thursday at Iowa Parks Hawk Stadium. Uh, we bunched these together because I want to say I was so close. I called for the Munster upset over Albany last week. I thought it was going to happen. It, it it took just you know this is why you this is why champions are champions. Champions make champion plays. And even though Munster gave everything they could, Casey Fairchild had two touchdown receptions for uh, Albany. Also game ceiling interception that it looked like Munster was about to come in and pull the big upset off. Congratulations on Munster, but that's why. Why it's hard to beat a defending state champ in saying that I still think Collinsville is going to do it. Logan Jenkins, that wide receiver core, what Collinsville did last week though, was the most impressive. It wasn't scoring. It was holding Roscoe to under a hundred yards on the ground. And that's been the, the, the poison for Collinsville this year. They lost to Cooper because they couldn't stop the run early. I'm not saying that Roscoe is as good as Albany, but just holding a team like that, you know, that gives a defense a ton of confidence. And it just feels like this is Collinsville year to finally break through. I saw Collinsville last week, so I got to see that defense with, with my own eyes. And the defensive line was incredibly physical. They were all playing at high levels. They looked completely healthy up and down the lines. I had uh, Clay Hermes, the, the Whitesboro quarterback, was there, and he was giving me feedback on this, that. And the, just the multiplicity of options that Collinsville has in receivers, you know, and, and kind of running backs that will come out of the backfield at times. You know, usually when you think of 2A Division two, you think of the running game, mm -hmm. you think of one or two really good players. Collinsville has three or four players that can score if they get the ball in their hands at any point. And 
I really like them, especially given the calibration of, of the Munster game. Munster should have probably beat Albany if it wasn't for that late interception. I think Collinsler is going to take care of business. I think it's not even close. I think they get, they're going to win this game by two scores. I think it. No, excuse me. <clears throat> I think it could end that way too. I just think Collinsler is that hot team. Um, that the winner of that. Uh, would play Claire. I've got Clarendon. I don't know a ton about these teams. I picked Clarendon to win the region at the beginning of the, the the playoffs, and here we are, and they're taking on Sunray. So I'm just going to stick with what I've had. I've got Clarendon. I'll take Sunray just because the computer polls tell me to. I don't know about either of those teams yet, but I'll get to know them if Collinsville plays one of them next week uh, because uh, I, I, we got we got to keep talk. Collinsville is DFW's own at this point. There you go. All right, in Region Three, you know we talk about like Toller and, and Crawford. We've got that here with Mart versus Love Lady. Both of these teams are 13 and 0. This game's Friday in Athens, Bruce Field, by the way. But this is one of those, if you look at all the paper stuff, man, these two teams are not far apart. But then you go look at the last five years, and these two teams have met four of those years in the playoffs. And in those four years, Mart has beaten Love Lady, and it's just gotten, it's never been close, but it's gotten progressively worse each year. I do feel that this is Love Lady's best chance. But I still think they fall short. I think people have somehow started sleeping on just, again, how great Mart is simply because they haven't won state in a few years. Uh, this is a Mart team, though, that I, I think people are going to be shocked that they might end up winning state this year. They might actually thought they were better last year. So it's kind of, you know, kind of seeing how that progresses. I think Mart will, will at least get there. I think region four is a little bit weaker. You know, it, it's almost a bit like, you know, I don't cover, especially don't cover region four into a division two, but I just know you're going to see fall city. It's like, you're going to yeah. see Mart. You're going to see fall city, uh, fall city with an upset last week, or at least according to some of the computer polls. Uh, I think they're finally going to fall to Chilton this week, but it wouldn't surprise me to see fall city make it because that's what they they find their way it's like you know they they start playing in december they have that community where they expect to get there and you know when, when you have that power of the mind and you get those big kids out there you've got that work ethic uh you never know what you're going to get uh, i think children's a little bit of a favorite but it also doesn't surprise me to see false city technically have had two of their three wins as upsets because it's what i call it's false city season and false city finds their way you know it's like you go you start doing ncaa bracketology and, and you look for creighton you know you don't have to know yeah. anything about it you look for creighton and like okay oh they're a seven seed i'm taking them or they're a 10 seed i'm going to take them in an upset fall city is that team for me that i don't even have to cover football i just know it's playoff time it's fall city they're going to find a way to win a game or two that they're not supposed to is your demanding work lifestyle in need of fire-resistant clothing that can keep up? Well, L4FR clothing should be your go-to for quality, affordability, safety, and style. L4FR was founded by a third-generation oil field worker who is also a veteran. Thus, this company has a deep appreciation for reliability and longevity, all while we provide first-rate customer service. Our durable apparel will serve you well for many years to come, whether you're working on a pipeline, a lineman climbing utility poles, or in any other environment requiring fire-resistant apparel. L4FR has you covered. Our apparel is tough enough to resist hazardous conditions while still providing high comfort and style. L4FR provides clothing options to ensure your safety and comfort, whether you're on the job or not. To view our complete inventory of flame-resistant garments, please visit our online store at L4FRclothing.com or give us a call at 817-757-4935. See habla espanol. Terry, been back here on the North Texas Regional Show, or just sideline to sideline. Junior, as Mr. Diggs called it, you can find him on Twitter at Professor Diggs. Great show as always. We're going to be here next week for sure. Even if all the DFW North Texas teams were eliminated, we'll still be here. We'll still talk. Um, we're also going to be doing a lot of different stuff for the state championship week. So let me go ahead and kind of set that table. Uh, Sideline to sideline will record, but we will record them as part of the pregame shows uh, for the state championship stuff. We might go ahead and put what I'm thinking about doing is doing the audio as just pregame postgame and then doing the video as the show and then just cutting it up for the pregame postgame. Also, we're going to be doing watch parties for the 2A state championship, the 3A state championships, and the 4A, so six games. Uh, 
two in each uh, division. Matt's probably going to, Matt Diggs is probably going to join me for one. Intern Noe is going to join me for Friday for the two 4As, the 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. games. Uh, Grant's probably going to join me. I know that Holiday's Kyle Atwood, the head coach, he's going to join me for some of the 3A Division two stuff. Uh, probably going to get some 4As. We're trying to get a couple coaches for each one so that they can chime in during the game and give their thoughts on, on how the game's going and what they need to do. So just be looking out for that on our media at uh, or on Facebook, Sideline to Sideline, or L4 Media, on Twitter, at Grant and Terry, or at L4 Media. Uh, you can also email me, Grant and Terry at S2S Sport, or Terry at S2S Sport. Either one of them works great. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for these shows or for the state championship week. All right. If you're going out to watch the football, be safe. Hope your team wins. And no matter what, let's meet back next week to talk a little North Texas football or North Texas adjacent. <laughs> Brought to you by Granny's Bakery and Power Plus Mouthguard right here on S2S Sports, part of L4 Media.